All right, so turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. That's what we're looking at today. So if you jumped on our Zoom church last night, uh, last week, we just did a quick little thing about the Beatitudes. And um, Matthew chapter 5 is this interesting sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes or just Jesus talking, however you choose to paraphrase it. But basically, he had started his ministry and all these people had started gathering around him. And this was one of his first sort of sermons to his followers. And what he's doing here is describing the type of characteristics that people have when they follow Jesus, they surrender to his lordship in their life. So we see later in the New Testament the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and those are the types of things that come out of us when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, right? And so these things in Matthew chapter 5, this first part, are there's eight characteristics here um, of, of qualities that citizens of heaven should have. So I challenged you guys last week to make sure that you read through this list. If you haven't done it yet, make sure you read through this list. It's just chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. And just do a little heart check. Are these things evident in my life? If they're not, invite, ask the Lord to invite you into a deeper revelation of those things. Um, but what we're going to look at today is specifically verse 9. And I don't have it on the screen uh, for you guys today. We've got a couple of scriptures. I'm just going to make you turn to them. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and, and this is what it says in summation. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So let me read it to you out of the Amplified real quick. I love the Amplified. It basically gives some nuanced meaning. So we've got all these blessed, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure. We've got all these blessings. But when Jesus was saying that, it actually meant different things. So on on verse 9, he says, blessed, in other words, spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor, which sounds like something we all could use. Spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace, For they will express his character and be called the sons of God. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. So in all of this list, this is the only one that says they'll be called the sons of God. Why? Because peacemaking is an attribute of who God is. That's his nature, right? So all these other things, they're qualities of what it looks like to follow Jesus, and they're good, and we need them, and there's blessing associated with them. But when we choose to be peacemakers, we actually step into God's identity, and that's why we're called the sons of God in that time. So I got to thinking about this, and a couple weeks ago, I was driving down the road, and I just heard the Lord say this to me. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. But in the last 30 years of Christian entertainment, the white Anglo-Saxon picture of Jesus with the very milky skin and the brown hair, and he's just sort of everywhere he goes, kumbaya breaks out, uh, and everybody just seems to be, you know, he's like the Zen master. That picture, I think, is what we've begun to think of who Jesus is, and that has more to do with peacekeeping than it does peacemaking. So let's look at the difference here for a second. So peacekeepers, and I have to apologize on on the front end. I've never been a peacekeeper. I was like three years old not keeping the peace, correcting everybody in the carpool's grammar as they would say things wrong. Uh, I've never been a peacekeeper. But if you are a peacekeeper, I am not meaning to offend you. I am meaning to challenge you, but I'm not meaning to offend you, okay? So a couple of things that peacekeepers do. Peacekeepers keep the peace at the sake of personal conviction. So, so what, is it, what does this look like? It looks like you might have a driving belief, but 
to keep the peace, you'll set that belief to the side so that peace can be here. But the problem with peacekeeping is that it's actually an illusion. That type of peace is not real. It's an illusion of peace because you're dampening something in yourself to make it happen, right? All of you non-peacekeepers are like, thank you. I feel vindicated. We're going to get there. So blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. So peacekeepers keep the peace at the sake of personal conviction. Peacekeepers value the illusion of peace over actual peace. And peacekeepers, this is what's interesting, I don't think they really believe true peace is possible. I think that's why they, they keep it the way that they do, because they don't fundamentally believe that if we do what's necessary, we can actually get to a place of resolve. Again, the blessing is not on the peacekeepers. I know, we're in the, the throes of the holidays, right? I know every single one of you has a family member or has a friend who's got a family member that, that you have to keep the peace around, right? I, I don't decorate with rugs. I've never been a rug person, and I certainly have never been the kind of person to sweep something under the rug. That's just, I, even as a kid, I remember just being like, just tell them they're wrong. Like, it's black and white, and my whole family, you know, all the families, they're like, no, no, no. That's just so-and-so. You just deal with it when they're around. And I've never been someone who can deal with that. And if you know me very personally, you know that's very true. I'll just leave. In fact, my brother is here, and we had a great moment several years ago where I was like, do I keep... It wasn't between him and I, but he was in the room. It's like, do I keep the peace? Do I make peace? And I just walked outside because I didn't know what to do because I was like, we had a bunch of family there, and I was panicking because I'm like, I can't just pretend. And so I just left. And he's like, okay, so that's not a good option. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But we all feel that way sometimes, right? And so, so I want us to really challenge ourselves to look that blessed are the peacemakers and that God's blessing is almost never on keeping peace for the sake of keeping peace, right? Let's look at what peacemakers do. Peacemakers understand that conflict can actually lead to resolve. So when, when you're making peace, when you're doing what Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, it's because you have this fundamental belief that two opposing parties can come to a place where, not that you're trying to conform the other one, but that you extend honor in a way that brings true peace, where we can both be different, but we can love and honor anyway. That's what a peacemaker does. A peacemaker values actual peace over the fake version Peacemakers are the kind of people who are agitated when things are under the rug because you fundamentally believe that if you just take them out and look at them, you could clean them up and fix it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Lastly, peacemakers create peace where there is none. So this is an interesting concept because Jesus is given the name Prince of Peace, right? So Isaiah has this beautiful vision of Jesus, one of the messianic prophecies in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, and he begins to just say, uh, you know, our kids memorized this one last year, uh, all these names of God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. In other words, when you look at who Jesus is, he is this prince of peace. He embodies peace, and yet every moment of his human life was bringing chaos. Like the second he was conceived in Mary, chaos, bless her heart. Right? She's like, yes, Lord, I'll do your will. The Holy Spirit comes over her, she gets pregnant, and all of a sudden it's like she's going to be stoned just by saying yes to God, right? 
Jesus is born and just his very like existence on the earth as a baby sends Herod into insanity and he wipes out, he kills, I don't know how many babies, there were hundreds, probably thousands of baby boys, right? Just the fact that he existed, what's a little baby done to a king? Like nothing, just because he lives, the prince of peace somehow causes chaos everywhere he goes. We look at his ministry, same, right? We look at his death, absolute chaos. And I was asking the Lord about this, and, and this is what he began to say to me. He said, Rachel, I am the supreme force of authority there ever will be. No one before or after will ever touch the supremacy of God. Amen? And so God, the Father, Jesus, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together, they exist at the top of the food chain. I'm not going to sing that when the lion sleeps song. Sorry, guys. My brain just started hearing it, and now you guys all are too. But they exist at the top of the food chain. And yes, there are other powers out there. The Bible tells us this. There's other principalities. There are other gods out there that have a measure of some sort of power when we give it to them. But those gods, they want to be like Jesus, but they never will be because the creator created them. And he probably created them with a little off switch on the back, right? It's like Buzz Lightyear when they do the tango and he switches to Spanish mode. The, the principalities are created by God. He knows all the ins and outs of them. They will never truly match him in majesty, but they want to. So when Jesus, the supreme, the prince of peace, steps anywhere, there's one of two options. Submit to his will or be in rebellion. There's no other choice. Because he's the top, right? So he, he's born on the earth. And now all of a sudden, there's chaos that breaks out because those that don't want to submit to his will and his rule and his reign, they're trying to kill him. He goes around in his ministry and he shows up to heal somebody and chaos erupts. He goes and does these amazing miracles and people are scheming in the back hallways of the town trying to murder him. Why? Because the thing that's against Jesus wants to kill him to alleviate the guilt of their rebellion. That's my personal opinion. The reason why the world is at war with Jesus is not because they hate love, necessarily. It's because they feel the conviction of not being surrendered to him, and then they have to attack that because that's the only thing that makes them feel better about not being surrendered. Because why? Jesus, when he's there, you're either in submission to what he wants, which is a very vast number of things, or you're not. It's pretty black and white. He alludes to this himself in uh, Matthew chapter 10, 34. So turn over to that. A couple pages over, Matthew 10, verse 34. One more page. This is what he said. He said, do not think I have come to bring peace to this world. I've not come to bring peace but a sword. I like how the Amplified says a sword of division between unbelief and belief. That's how the Amplified sums that up. So what is Jesus saying? He's like, don't think everywhere I go just because I'm the prince of peace means everything is going to go well with you. What he's saying is, I came to expose whether you're with me or against me. That's just who I am. So when I'm there, chaos is going to be there too. It's, it's, I don't know if you guys feel this way. It's so mind-boggling, like the Prince of Peace with his parade of chaos everywhere, <laughs> right? We're asking God for years, come and touch America. Come and touch the sleeping churches. Come and wake us up. And then he starts to... And chaos, and everybody goes, 
well, that's not Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And he's like, oh, actually, that's who I am. Like, even my conception caused that to happen, <laughs> right? We have to understand that about him. He is the Prince of Peace, but his peace is different. Let's look at this in John 14. So turn over to John 14, 27. And this is what he says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. And then this is, this is epic. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The peace of God is different than the peace we experience in the world. Thank you. So let me just tell you a little, little piece of tidbit about me. I love the beach. I love the feeling of being drained by the sun, slightly sunburned, salt everywhere. I just love it. Unfortunately, I married someone who does not love that, but that's okay. It's like, I'm like Moana, where it's like the sea calls me, you know what I mean? If it's been a while, it's like, it's happening, and I'm going to Florida, and I can't stop myself, or somewhere where there's an ocean. There's something about being in the, by the ocean that speaks to me, that revives me. It's, it's like, it's, I can't explain. I know some of you guys feel that way, and some of you guys feel about the mountains or other places, but that's for me. And there's this moment when you're exhausted, but you force the family to come and watch the sunset with you, and they're fighting, and they're miserable, and they don't like the sun, I mean the sand, but the sun begins to set, and just for a moment, it's like, oh, this wash of peace, right? And I forget, I can't hear their squabbles, or, or just for a moment, I can block out, I got sand in my eye, you know? And as the sun is going down, and it's just like, like the Lion King chant, like it's just beautiful. It's peace. Or I don't know if you guys like me, last week watching the snowfall, the beautiful big fat snowflakes, and I, I opened all the windows, I was working from home, and I just watched the snowfall for hours. It just, it felt like, like peace. But here's the thing. That peace is not this peace. That peace, the sun setting for that moment, the, the beauty of the snowfall, it is peace. But that's the peace the world can give. The peace that God gives is something entirely different, but what we've done is we have not challenged ourselves to see the difference, and so we assume that in Jesus, in the Prince of Peace, it feels like snow falling on a day where you've got something in the crock pot and you don't have to leave and all is right in the world just for a moment. But that's not what he said. He describes his peace in Philippians 4.7, and Grant mentioned this earlier, he said, in the, the, the peace of God surpasses our understanding. So when the sun sets, or when you're on the mountaintop, or when the snow is falling and you experience peace in that moment, believers will connect with God because that's how we are. But that's not the fullness of the peace that God offers, because the peace that God offers, it's, it's above and beyond what our brains can sense and feel. Does this make sense? Um, it's like, I have a bucket list, and they're all Disney-related things, and I don't know why. So whatever, judge me, it's fine. But um, one of my bucket list things is, do you guys, anybody know what a Disneyland tour guide is? Have you ever heard of this? So uh, it's like an uber bougie way to experience Disney, and I do intend on doing it someday in my life when the Lord gives me permission to spend my money on that. And uh, it's very ridiculously expensive because you also have to buy the Disney tickets and everything, but basically these people in these plaid outfits, they come in a black SUV and they pick you up at your hotel and they take you the back way into Disney World and you get to go first on every ride you want. 
as many times as you want. They're like Wonka's golden ticket. So they just walk up to the fast pass lane and you just go. Doesn't matter who's there, you get priority thing because you pay an unbelievable amount of money to make this happen. And they get to take you like under, I don't know if you know this, but underneath Disney World, there's all these tunnels and roads that connect between the parks and between parts of the park. And, and it's like a way faster way. So you can accomplish four days worth of rides in a seven hour time frame thanks to this tour guide. So when our family was there a couple weeks ago, I'm walking around and I'm like, I know these entrances to the underground are around here somewhere. And I'm looking for them, right? I know I'm standing on Main Street. I know I'm standing over all this place where people are moving around and there's life happening, but I can't get there because I don't have a tour guide with me. And the Lord began to speak to me. He's like, this is what the peace of God is like. It is here for, it's, it's here. It's all over us. But you cannot access it without Jesus. So anybody who is not in Christ Jesus, the best peace they can expect is a snowfall or a sunset. That's the pinnacle of their experience. But those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we actually tap into something that is beyond. It's something that doesn't make sense to our minds. It's something that comes in, and even though it might bring chaos for a moment, there's this rightness in your soul that feels like concrete that can't be moved, and that's what Jesus came to give you. That's what we should be pressing in to look for. That's what we make when we become peacemakers. Because blessed are the peacemakers. We actually create that opportunity for other people when we invite them into the person of who Jesus is. Amen? It's interesting. His peace is so different. It's, it's so much more intoxicating. It's so much more liberating. It's like when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. You guys know this story? And they're on the Sea of Galilee, and all the disciples, Jesus is napping. Uh, so any lovers of naps, you are like God. So praise the Lord for you. Um, <laughs> so Jesus is napping in the back of the boat, and the disciples are panicking. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of a collective panic before, um, but I have. It's not very fun when like lots of people are panicking for a very real reason. And uh, that's what was happening. These disciples, they were not being irrational in their panic. I don't know if you know this, but the Sea of Galilee is not that big. It's, I don't know exactly how it compares, but it felt to me a little bit like Lake Hefner. Did it feel like that to you? I mean, you can actually walk around the whole thing. It's, it's kind of underwhelming based on when you read the story of the disciples in the boat thinking they're going to drown, and you're like, you could swim that. You know? <laughs> like, this is a little overreacting, guys. Like, come on, Peter. Like, settle down. And and so, but what happens is the topography around the Sea of Galilee, there's these two little mountain hill things that they overlap kind of like this. And there's a certain spot where the wind would come from one direction and it would just come perfectly through those two hills and it would become like a tornado over this little sea. So now all, this, all of a sudden, what is very survivable, what's very swimmable, what's very maneuverable becomes treacherous deep ocean water because on these freak days when the wind would do this, it created an otherworldly experience. And that's what was happening when the disciples were panicking on the boat. The scholars will tell you that's the type of situation that was happening in the ocean, on the Sea of Galilee at that time. So it was reasonable for the disciples to be panicking. It was reasonable for them to look at Jesus and be like, what gives? I'm sure they're thinking, so-and-so died 10 years ago in this exact same place, and you, so you're just going to, that's it? Like, all this was for nothing? And they're almost mad because they cannot access what Jesus is demonstrating to access. 
So in the chaos, there is always a standard of peace, but it's on our decision, it's our choice to enter into that with him, right? And I think Jesus, I think this story is in the Bible for a number of reasons, but I think one of them is because Jesus wants to show, if you want to panic, just go to that side of the boat and continue to panic. I'm back here. These are very cushy. We're going to be fine, right? You can take a nap. We're going to live. But if you want to panic, that's fine too. Go panic. Now, why would anyone in their right mind choose to panic when the Prince of Peace isn't? I mean, we do all the time, right? We worry, we doubt, we wring our hands, we get confused. We, our kids are making a choice we don't like, and all of a sudden we're like, that's it. There is a, hope is over, right? Your three-year-old is doing, you're like, well, I guess they're, <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. No, that, like, like we, we, do, we enter into panic even though the standard of peace is right here. But what Jesus is calling us to is when there's chaos in our life, when there's circumstances that are contrary, when there's like rivaling people in your family, whatever the case may be, that we become peacemakers. And the way we do that is we step into him, and then from that place of his authority, we begin to call things to come in line with who God is. And then they will either come in line or they won't, but those that do come in line, they will begin to experience true peace. Does this make sense? So I'd say to you again, blessed are the peacemakers, because they'll be called the sons of God. But I don't know about you, but I want to be found as a peacemaker. I don't want to be found as a peacekeeper. I don't want to be the one on the boat that's like, guys, look, like, Jesus is over there and he's asleep, so we're probably fine. And no one's addressing the panic. They're just like, just quiet down. This feels wrong. When we keep the peace, often what we're doing is we're in love with the lack of conflict, and we've called that peace. We're in love with the lack of mean words, and we've called that peace. But true peace is it's above, actually, all of that. Amen? I don't know where we're headed as a nation. I'm not going to pretend to say this person's right, that person, prophetic person is right. All I know is this. Number one, we have no reason to be afraid. And number two, if there's chaos in our lives, it means he's close by. If there's chaos happening in our nation, it means he's putting his feet down on this ground. And we should not resist that. We should lean in and get in line with what he's doing and stand with him. Amen? And I don't know what that means for you. I trust the Holy Spirit is leading all of you. And what I'm challenging you to do is be obedient to understand that you can choose to panic and he will let you. And weirdly, sometimes he kind of blesses you anyway. He's just too good. Sometimes we're like, God, you're almost too good, <laughs> right? But that's because of the, that's who he is. That's the whole uh, age old, you know, he, he makes, he turns everything around for the good of those who love him, right? And sometimes because he's turned it around so good, we think he caused it in the first place. And then we're like, you have this weird picture of God. Like, do you delight in my brokenness? But then you also turned it around. He's like, no, 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 I'm just so good. You can't imagine a world in which I wouldn't have done this for you. I want us to be a people who are in line with who Jesus is, who are making peace in our own personal homes and in the lives of those around us. So here, let's get super practical just for a minute as we wrap this up. I guarantee you in the next couple of weeks, 
you're going to end up in a conversation with somebody, you probably already have this week, where the topic of either the, the state of the nation, the state of COVID, all the things we could list out that feel very chaotic has come up. And in those moments, we have an opportunity to invite people to connect with the Prince of Peace. But we have to understand who the Prince of Peace is, right? When I started really following the Lord, it didn't go well with some of the people closest to me. And there's a track record of that right here. Just Russian roulette it, you're going to find a story of somebody God called that it didn't go well when they said yes. Uh, at one point in my life, I was telling the Lord, it feels a little unfair, the cost that I've gone through. And he began to share with me, because it's, it's a test for all people. And I realized, you're right. Every single disciple, every person Jesus interacted with, right? The rich young ruler, he's like, I don't know. I've done all these great things for you. We'll do this one more. And he's like, that was too much. Felt too costly. There's the guy who's like, I want to go bury my dad. And his dad's not even dead. <laughs> he's like, okay. That's a weird excuse, right? Every single person, as we say yes to the Lord, there is a cost involved. There just is. And so we have to understand that as we invite people into peace, that we continue to hold them in the peace, right? And we begin to understand, hey, the panic is not necessary. Because however this whole thing falls down, I know who's going to be in charge of my life. I know who's going to be in charge of your life if we choose to enter into that. Amen. So here's what I want us to do. I don't know uh, where you guys are at. I don't know how this year has, has challenged you, but I want to give two different invitations this morning. And the first one is for those of you guys that are like, I need the Prince of Peace to come and touch my heart. Because I, 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 I think there's some people here who would say, man, I just feel like I have not connected to true peace. Like I've been looking for the snowfall and it's not satisfying me. And the reason is because the Prince of Peace is not always in the snowfall. Sometimes he's in the boat back there and we actually have to move the position of our heart to get in with him. And, and the other thing I want to pray for is I, I just feel like if you would say, man, I want to be a peacemaker. Maybe I've been a peacekeeper or I've been thinking that peacekeeping is the better, more Christian way. Slight tangent for a second. Uh, one of the worst pieces of advice I've ever been given in my life was to not confront ungodliness in relationships because it would rock the boat too much. But we all do that, guys, right? We all think, well, I don't want to say that because... But I just want to remind you, when you're doing that, there's an opportunity for you to become a peacemaker, and there's a blessing in that that doesn't exist in being a peacekeeper. And it might be rocky for a little while, but it's worth it. When boundaries are put in place in a healthy way, often they bring about a better result. It's not immediate, but they do bring about a better result. Sometimes they don't, but then you're probably better off. Sorry to be the one to say that. So here's what I want you to do. If you, if you fit in either of those categories, say, man, I want to be a peacemaker, if you'll just go ahead and stand up, or if you'd say, man, I need the Prince of Peace to touch me, go ahead and stand up too. Or if you're just like, I just want more, you can stand up for that as well. We'll take all of it. Does your iPad need more peace? Your iPad case needs more. Uh, so just put your hands out to receive from the Lord, and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit do in you what he thinks is best, because he's God. Um, but we're just going to invite him. Lord, we want to be like you. Jesus, we want to be, we don't just want to be called sons of God, we actually want to be like you. We want to be like your sons and daughters. And so, Father, I'm asking that you would teach us how to be peacemakers in this season, Despite all the chaos that, that a lot of us are walking through right now, 
and jobs and finances and relationships with family and all that. Lord, I'm asking for your peacemaking ability to move in us and through us this morning. And uh, if you would say, man, I just need the Prince of Peace to touch my life, would you just go ahead and raise your hand? It's okay, you can be bold. It's all right. Thank you, guys. So, Lord, I'm just asking for those that are in a deeper need today. Touch them right now with your peace. Jesus, reveal where you are in their life right now. Which part of the boat are you in? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just release peace over them this morning, a supernatural peace that transcends, that, that supersedes, that goes above our ability to understand and comprehend. We just release that now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God, I just put a blessing onto each and every one of us as we are moving about our holidays the next several days. Lord, may we be the kind of people who make peace. May we be the kind of people who reject panic and chaos and worry and fear. May we be the kind of people who find stability in you alone. And Lord, I'm asking for an increase of revelation for each and every one of us to understand what your peace is in Jesus' name.